Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Comedian's Tea Party with Cy Deves. And this week my guest is Jamie Lennon, the one and only, about which... Now, if you don't know who Jamie Lennon is, then uh, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, go and check out everything that he's done. You may have heard of a band called Ruben and he was the singer and songwriter and guitarist in Ruben and... They remain one of my favourite bands of all time. So, yeah, they're, they're very good. And as such, I was very, very excited to have him on. Uh, additionally, his solo stuff is also absolutely incredible. I really love it. So when he's playing live again, go and see him. In the meantime, I strongly suggest you listen to his entire back catalogue because it is all great. Obviously, with Ruben being one of my favourite bands and Jamie Lemon being just an absolute gentleman, I was very excited about this episode. And as such, I uh, I was so excited that I forgot to hit record on the computer for quite a while. So there's a bit of a, a change in the sound about half an hour in because thankfully, thanks very much to Stuart Goldsmith for telling me to have a backup recorder thankfully I had a backup recorder going so I picked my end up fine I got his like I explain it in the podcast but yeah it, it, it's panned out it's all worked out so it's all good I mean other difficulties that we were facing is the fact that Virgin Internet who Jamie was with cut out completely at roughly the time that we were recording so the fact that we managed to record a podcast at all is impressive so I'm glad that worked out we cover loads of subjects. Obviously, we talk about, you know, music and comedy and how they intertwine, which also sort of covers like Bobcat Goldthwait and how he used to support Nirvana on tour and uh, John Cooper Clark. And I couldn't remember who it was that he was with. I was suggesting it was The Damned. It wasn't. I was thinking of The Fall, even though he actually... Uh, shared the stage with many massive acts but that was the main one I was thinking of we also talk about musicals and Jamie actually reveals an exclusive announcement in relation to musicals during a podcast so listen out for that also on that subject who wouldn't want to see love and death in East Cheam L- listen on to find out what that's about because uh, I, th- I think that'd be very interesting indeed we also talk about how strict he is on on how he likes his tea which makes for a very amusing conversation and additionally that he doesn't like other teas, or does he? Listen on, find out. And also, whilst talking about tea, he reveals how intrinsic biscuit dunking is to our history and culture. Also very interesting. We also cover his writing process to some extent, so if you've ever been interested in either how he writes or how a musician writes, then it's, it's quite a good insight, I think. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of really good insight in this entire podcast, so yeah, it's, it's a really good one. I'm, I'm really... Really glad I did it uh, and very excited for you all to hear it. Just to cover up a couple of other things that uh, we, we couldn't quite pinpoint during the conversation. Simon Munnery, he was thinking of the League Against Tedium, uh, which is the character that he played in uh, Attention Scum which is a show that Stuart Lee directed. And also, just to clarify, because you, you may hear a couple of names of people that, that might not make sense if you don't otherwise know. So we mentioned Dave Gardner, who was in Angerica, and he was also in Angerica with Mike Webster, who I also mentioned. And Mike Webster is now in Asylums with Luke Branch, who I also mentioned. And Luke Branch, at the time, was in Smother. All of those bands require your attention because, you know, all incredible. So go, go and check all of those out. And whilst you're looking into things that like Mike Webster's done, also baddies. He, uh, he's got around. He's been in some very successful bands over the years. So check all of those out. It's all good. It's all, it's all just great. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of my favourite podcasts that I've released. So I'm excited for you to hear it. And with that in mind, enjoy. Hello. There you are. 
much more successful. Congratulations. Oh, on calling you. Wait, on everything, on the shirt, on the on building the cupboards behind you, I'm assuming. Oh, thank you. Uh, actually, my fiancé did that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Congratulations on finding a handy fiancé then. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the whole thing. When we moved in together, basically, like, the, the deal was I'd, I'd be really handy and build loads of stuff. And, like, I had to work on a couple of days. And by the time I sort of got to the house, she said, oh, I've built everything. Like, Brilliant. Nice. So, uh, I'm, I'm redundant. I've just got to be funny. And she's better at that than me as well, so... That's good. I took a whole week before we moved in here to make sure everything was a okay before the missus turned up, and uh, it worked. It paid dividends. It's worth Smart. doing. Smart. Nice. How are you doing? Yes, I'm doing. I'm doing good, thanks. Uh, I've mowed the lawn. You know, that's the kind of thing that's happening around here. That's a big event in uh, Casa del Enman at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it sounds exciting. I've got to use two different instruments. Got to use the mower and then the strimmer. So it's a it's a multi-level task, if you understand me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I used to be a gardener. Um, Did you? Well familiar. Yeah, not a very good one, though. So oh. literally cutting the grass was pretty much the extent of it. Okay, well, I, I didn't realise I was talking shop. Apologies. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's, been a, it's been a little while, so. Uh, am I loud enough? Yes, I can hear you fine. Thanks. Are you, uh, am I loud enough to you? I'm not sure what I could oh, do about it if I'm not. Pl- plenty loud enough. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, a very good feed, indeed. That was, uh, that was not meant to rhyme, but here we are. No, you did well. well thank you. Cool. Well, I mean, technically, we have already started, but for the sake of it, we'll, we'll just jump straight. Uh, I have got an intro. You've got do. to do a little uh, intro. I understand. Yep. Yeah. So, hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Comedian's Tea Party with Side Eves. With me, Side Eves, and this week, my very special guest of Jamie Lenman. Hello. Hello. You missed, you missed some great uh, cutting the grass bants before the official start. Sorry, listeners. Oh, we're staying in. It's, Is it staying it, in? You're going to... Okay, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it all stays in. Now people have realised it wasn't quite as good as I made it sound. Embarrassing for me. I'll uh, I'll edit some bits in. I'll put some explosions and fireworks. Okay, stuff, thank maybe. God. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, now, you complimented me on my shirt and, uh, and the cupboards that my fiancé built. But yeah. my word, look at that. Is that a dressing gown? It is a, a, a dressing gown, yes. yes. Is it silk? I is some yes I, I believe I've led to been led to believe it's silk. It's something very nice. It came. It was a gift from a, a well-travelled friend of mine who had it made for him in Japan, I think. And, wow! And he said this would look much better on you than it would on me, which is not true because he's a handsome devil. But uh, maybe I needed uh, zhuzhing up, whereas he doesn't need any adornment. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'm with you. I managed yeah. to turn most compliments into insults. Is where we go with this. Yeah, it's a very British way of doing things, isn't true. it? True. Yeah. True. Yeah, like you complimented me on the cupboards and I said, it wasn't me. That was, uh, That's true. That's immediately true. batting you down. Oh, thank you very much. No, not not my handiwork. The, I did I did buy the shirt myself, though. So Okay, good. Nice one. I'll, I'll take that. I bought it while I was in Edinburgh from, right. a, from a Primark for about £3. I mean, that is unnecessary information. How did you pay for it? What did you do to earn the money? Because that has a, adds a dimension, doesn't it? If you were clubbing seals to earn the money... I dislike the shirt. Oh uh, yeah, no. I, I, what would I have been doing at the time? I think I was working in a theatre backstage. Good, that's good. Yeah. Culture shirt, well done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cu- cu- culture shirt, culture dressing. I'm genuinely jealous of that dressing gown. It's uh... well, I'll send it to you. I won't, but if it gives me another <laughs> no. one, if it gives me another better one, you can have this one. How's that? Yeah, sweet. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what have you got on your shelf there? Well, behind me here, you can see just a small selection. My study is actually packed. Most of it is action figures. But behind me here, I expect you can see um, a range of Doctor Who books because I have a very large Doctor Who uh, collection. And then here are some action figures. There's only a small smattering of action figures on this side. The other side is the action figure side. Oh, You've got um, my Aladdin uh, Cave of Wonders playset right at the back. Amazing. 
in front of them is a small selection of Beetlejuice figures because not all of the Beetlejuice figures are really very good from that line. So I've just got the best ones. A couple of select WWF Hasbros. Nice. And uh, Orko and Skeletor there. I don't really care about oh, the cool. He-Man line, but I do like Battle Damage Skeletor and everyone loves Orko. So that's yeah. all I've got. Just a, just a few bits of the, the, over that side. In fact, you can see, and perhaps your listeners might be interested to see, I did a tour of my house for Ticketmaster last week, I think it was. And the reactions to my Aladdin's Cave of action figures, some of them were quite uh, offensive, but all of them were extreme. <laughs> so I'd recommend that both you and your listeners maybe check that out to see all the toys, because I'm a big action figure collector, big oh, sci-fi movie collector. Oh, cool, man. I'll look into it. Mm. Yeah, nice. Right, I've thrown myself off. I don't know what I was going to say. Sorry. It's, it's, a, it's a very professional podcast. Yeah. Uh, this would generally just be... Uh, I mean, we'd probably be having the exact same chat, uh, but that we'd be closer. We would. That's, yeah, that's the difference. Although it would probably be permeated between you saying things like, oh my God, you got the Ghostbusters firehouse. Oh my God, you got all the mask. Because I have. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd just get that out of the way before. Uh, sure, because you're going. a professional, yeah. forgive me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I'm earning absolutely no money from this. Yeah. It's, it's actually costing me quite a lot of money. Is it? Oh, this. bloody hell. No, not a lot, some. It's, it's fine, because I'm getting street cred and that is priceless. Yeah, it earns you a lot. You can pay for a hot dog with street cred. It's similar to um, experience, which they try and pay you with in if you do uh, design or animation for people. You'll get experience. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, you know, like any creative, because uh, you get paid a lot for experience. Yeah, um, and exposure as well. The banks love experience. And it, many is the time I walk into Barclays, whop down a huge sack of experience and exposure and say, credit my account. And they smack me in the face and send me tumbling out backwards in a backwards forward roll. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, when did you when did you start playing in bands? In bands, I was about ten. I think my first band. There was only two of us. We were ten. Uh, the first time. I, I mean, I had lots of bands before we could get a drummer because getting a drummer was quite difficult. Oh, okay. Kids don't. It takes a special kid to uh, petition their parents for a drum kit. I had lots of bands with drum machines, just, yeah, from 10 onwards, basically. I think the first drummer I ever had, I was 14 when I managed to recruit a real drummer. And he had a car and an undercut. He was excellent. When you were 14, like, how old was he? He was 18. Oh, okay. Which is quite a big gap, if you remember being at school. I was yeah. in, like, year eight, and he was in the sixth form. It was like a forbidden love. He'd have to <laughs> he'd have to sneak in, because the sixth form college was sort of attached to our school. But you'd have to sneak into the like year seven playground to talk about what songs we could do that night. It was great. Yeah. It was great. That's that's weird. Mm. Did he have to put on like a a fake school tie? No, because you know the sixth formers, if they ever came over to the lower bits of the school, they got like immediate cred, didn't they? Especially Paul Brady because he had long hair and he had a jacket with a skull on the back, and so I people mean, treated him like a sort of semi-teacher. That, that's how I heard of Paul Brady. So Paul Brady, yeah, yeah, legend. No, uh, what's my point? Oh, right, yeah, no, so, I mean, I'm pretty sure that gigs for exposure have been around for a long time. Well, do you know what? Gigs for exposure, I feel slightly differently about that. For some reason, and I even have been known to defend pay-to-play, isn't that weird? Because I get very cross when people ask me to do graphic work for exposure. Yeah. But uh, I don't mind doing gigs, and I never minded doing gigs. I think the difference is that stagecraft is a skill that you do have to learn on a stage in front of an audience. You can hone your songwriting at home, you can hone your music playing, playing the guitar in your bedroom, and you can hone your design and graphic skills by yourself, but you cannot learn 
how to put on a show without being in front of an audience. So I think necess- you necessarily you do have to do a lot of it for essentially free before you can start uh, raking in the bucks. So that's the one area where I would say early on in your career, playing gigs for exposure and for experience is, is sort of probably a bit all right. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I understand. Yeah. To to, to an extent, I think. Because um, yeah. don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, so I used to play in a band. I remember the first time we went to do a pay to play gig and it was the first time we'd ever heard of pay to play. Mm. And we'd just got a booker. And the, I say um, a booker, it was some girl with an email address. But she, oh, that girl. Yeah. She booked us a gig at this pub that like we'd heard of. And it was a reasonably sort of well-known pub in London. I can't remember what it was now. Because yeah. it was about 15 years ago. And uh, But we turned up to the pub and we'd, like, we'd rented a van, which had cost us sort of 70 quid or something, uh, and taken all our instruments up because we were, we were doing the uh, kit share. Oh, yeah. And they said, oh, yeah, cool. So just like pay us this amount. And we're like, what do you mean? <laughs> and they said, oh, yeah, no, you got you got to pay to play. And we're like, we had no idea about that. And wow. they said, oh, yeah. Well, and we said, but we've already rented the van and that. So we actually haven't got any money. And they went, well, then you can't play. Yeah. And I said, well, that's my drum kit in the back of that van. So we'll just go home. That's and a bit said, much oh, for the, the kit share bands. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I said, right, cool, we'll, we'll see you later then, but I'm going to take my drum kit with me. And they said, uh, no, I'll tell you what, we'll waiver the, the fee, but next time. And you're like, yeah, okay. Bloody hell. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, how I would defend pay to play, although you noodled out of it very well there and, and well done. And I was going to say, I think the kit share band should get a bit of a leeway. But pay to play, the thing is that when, when you're starting out in a band, you're probably rubbish and... Number one, you're so keen to get gigs that you you probably would like pay a bit. You just want a gig. And if you're talking like, what, 40, 50 quid, that's only like a tenner each or whatever between a four-piece band. So I'd have gladly paid that just to get on the stage. Plus, you've got to remember that whoever's putting the gig on, they're not going to sell any tickets, are they? Because who's going to come and see your rubbish band and five other rubbish bands? Yeah, so that's fair. they've got to rent the venue. They've got their own arrangement with the venue. They've got costs to cover. And so... You know, the only way of putting that gig on, unless your your little school band is putting like 100 people, is to take a contribution. And if it could be explained in this manner to the bands, if it wasn't quite as mercenary as give us 50 quid and you can pay the gig, if, if pay-to-play promoters said, look, how we do it is I rent the venue, we get five acts, we all got a club together to rent it, and then however many mates you bring, you get a quid each or whatever... I think if it could just be explained in those terms, because promoters do have overheads, uh, then oh, yeah. it, it wouldn't be quite so vilified. It does make sense, but only up to a point. Yeah, but uh, the, the, I mean, our only issue with it really was that we had no idea that it was a pay-to-play gig. Mm. <laughs> we were just told to turn up to the gig and we got there and they, they asked us for money. Nightmare. Yeah. That's a racket, mate. Yeah. But uh, also, the, the promoter had done no promoting, so uh, there was about 30 people there. Mm. Well, that's that's the other edge of it. The promoters are often learning themselves, aren't they? Everyone learns together, and it's a, the only one who isn't learning is the pub. Who yeah. they've got, you know, they've got a back room. If you want to use it, it's two hundred quid. You know, they've learned that lesson from day one. So well done, pubs. Yeah, yeah, they've really uh, cornered the racket, bastards. Um, yeah, but I mean, obviously, like pay-to-play gigs do act. They they currently exist for comedians as well, and they're, do they? Uh, they're heavily frowned upon. Are they? Yeah. Like, because I would have thought that comedians need more time to work that work more than a band need more time to workshop the material in front of audiences. No, Nespa. 
yes, you are right. But there's also, uh, like, in London, there's, oh, I don't know, there's hundreds of open mic gigs that run for free. And there's a lot of them, um, there's a, a, a much argued um, type of gig called a bringer. Yeah. Which is where you bring an audience member. Yes. And like I, I, I used to do quite a few of those because like before I sort of have learnt to do better and um, and they're, they're very handy because they they just become like they become full of uh, like because those those gigs would have sort of twenty thirty acts on which is too many but that's too many you'd yeah. also yeah you'd be playing to sort of fifty sixty people yeah uh, which was nice and it was it's quite cool so. And it, it was a really nice way to learn to deal with a warm audience when you'd go to other open mic gigs, which would be you and six other comedians just sort of hating each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they were very useful, like, to sort of to, to build confidence in that. And, yeah, open mics were handy for that. But I, I, I never felt the need to do pay-to-play gigs. And now I get paid, you know, all right money to go and, to go and play for people. So Well, that's the dream, mate. Would you say that... Um... On, if you're on a bill with, let's say, four of the comics, as opposed to being in a bill with four of the bands, what is the? How does the support between the lineup differ? Uh, I sort of get the idea, and this is not fair, but I've read a lot of. I say a lot of. I've read a couple of um, autobiographies of, of famous comics, lots actually, and uh, <laughs> I've sort of, I sort of imagined from them, extrapolated that there's a there's a bit of bitchiness there, similar to in the acting profession where um, there's a bit of sneering at each other's acts. And and I don't feel that between bands, but maybe there is some sneering and I'm just not aware of it. What Do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'd actually say that there, there is some between some bands as well, because especially sort of like around Southend, when, when you're playing, like when you're starting out and you're playing the same sort of four or five pubs yeah. over and over and over, you'll end up gigging with the same people over and over. Yes. And some of them you'll see like never improving. And then there's sure. always like, oh, that's that band again but don't um, let's not forget the south end is a particularly acerbic region of the uk i was quite <laughs> shocked when i first visited i don't know if that's bands or just south end uh, just south end i think <laughs> yeah maybe and what about comics yeah. it's actually uh, as a community of comedians uh in south end uh it's actually really nice we're, we're all largely really good friends good. i say largely because like there's five or six of us that are sort of regular gigging comedians and a couple uh, in the area that are sort of their TV comedians are a little bit above us, but they're st- we're, we're still all friends. Yeah, so amongst us, like, it's, it's quite friendly, but then once you start getting into sort of London, it, it becomes quite vicious. Does it? Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Hideous. Playing yeah. Who did I go and see? No, I've never actually seen a comedy gig, a gig at John Glur's. Is it John Glur's in Camden Lock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, um, what's it called? As a venue, Jonglers is the night, and the venue is something else. That's right. That's right. I've yeah. only I've only ever seen rock gigs at that venue, but I've fooled myself into believing that I've seen comedy gigs there because I've read about so many there, and I've been to the venue, but I've never actually seen. I don't go and see an awful lot of stand up comedy. I must confess because well, the ticket prices tend to be quite high, and I have to be quite choosy with my uh, evenings out. So I, yeah. I I more often go and see a rock band than I go and see a comic. But I do like stand up comedy. Okay, uh, like what, what sort of stuff are you into? Well, now you've put me on the spot. Do you know <laughs> who I really loved, actually, back back in the day? In recent years, there's been a move towards, I say in recent years, about 10 years ago, there was an explosion of uh, comedians who bring out, spearheaded by Michael McIntyre, 
and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it seemed to me that all of a sudden everyone was bringing out DVDs. Jimmy Carr had like a DVD out every Christmas, Michael McIntyre, John Bishop, all of that. That became like a big industry. And and I found their stuff incredibly broad, and that really turned me off stand-up comedy. Oh, okay. The stuff that I was enjoying before then, I really loved um, Julian Barrett and Noel Fielding before they collaborated on The Boosh. Obviously, I loved The Boosh, but I was into them as solo comics before they started. Um, yeah. I liked the really weird stuff, and I really liked The League of... Simon Watts' Chops, who did The League of... Do you know where I'm going with this? Not The League of uh... Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's a comic book. It was it was something like the League of Gentlemen, but it wasn't. There's so I mean, many there, leagues. There is there is the League of Gentlemen, but that's that, not... but that's Gatiss and, and and Pemberton. Um, yeah, and and there's a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is a comic by who's that really famous Alan Moore. But there's another league that Simon Watts its chops, and he's like a thin guy. I'm not going anywhere with this, but he was great. I used yeah. to really like Simon, um, Simon Munnery. Simon Munnery. I loved Simon Munnery. The weird stuff. I used to like the Divine David as well, David Hoyle. I went to see a gig of his and it got a bit ugly and I walked out, but um, I used to love the Divine Davids. And when I was a kid, I loved my absolute favourite was Lenny Henry. Oh, OK. The, his like really high energy stand up from the early 90s. I had the misfortune to pick up uh, a DVD of his that he did again about 10 years ago and it was absolutely dreadful. And I'll always love him, but he's lost his touch, bless him. And I also, you know, I was on board with Lee Evans as well. That was quite vital, wasn't it, when Lee Evans came out? And yeah. Eddie Izzard. I'm just saying all the comics I could think of. <laughs> because when you say to me, Jamie, who do you like stand-up comics? It's not an area of my brain that I delve into, but, but, but now I'm thinking of it. I've watched an awful lot of stand-up comedy, you know, on video. There was a great culture for it. Eddie Izzard became the king of the home video, didn't he, when he brought out Circle and all those and they were as big a deal for us as teenagers as like a hollywood movie eddie izzard's latest you know cake or death or covered in bees all that stuff yeah, yeah that yeah. was legendary that was when i was a teenager eddie izzard was a king so when i was a kid it was lenny henry when i was a teenager it was eddie izzard and then later it was the weirder ones like um the two halves of the bush and then i sort of lost touch with it because i didn't really enjoy anything that was happening i thought Catherine ryan was very funny i saw her on the apollo a few years ago but now she's sort of settled down into hosting various game shows and i don't see much of her stand-up but uh god i rambled on but you asked for it i did absolutely yeah it's i mean it's the uh it's the comedian's tea party and why not talk about comedy sure you know yeah. it, it, it'll come up we're talking you know we've spoken about bands and it, technically you are the first non-comedian guest that i've had that's cool. So, Although many people would say that my live show in, sort of is a weird hybrid of music and stand-up. And in fact, I did yeah. consider many times going into stand-up when I was younger, but I could never quite get around to it. You know, the hours you've got to put into it are equal, if not more, than putting into a band. Plus, through reading these autobiographies of many comics, I, it did seem like getting your start and going through the clubs as a comic was a lot rougher than going through the clubs as a band, even though going through the clubs as a band was pretty rough. At least you've got your mates around you, whereas as a comic. Yeah. And the audiences, I feel like they they want... Not many audience want a band to be rubbish. Am I allowed to swear on this? Oh, absolutely. Say whatever you want. They, but, but there's something in an audience, if they've got it in them, and I speak from no experience just reading these books, but I can tell, you know, that sometimes they want the comic to be shit and sometimes they're just against you. And uh, although I have had gigs like that as a band on the on the wrong bill, for instance, some 41's tour was particularly trying. Oh, yeah. 
but uh, yeah, as a comment, I th it seemed a lot tougher to me. So I never had the gumption. Although people have said to me, I've sort of ended up in a weird hybrid of the two. Many people say, oh, I love the joke bits of your shows. And I'm like, well, and I wasn't really aware that I did any joke bits, but apparently I did. Yeah, yeah. no, you're, you're, you're a very funny man live. So yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd say that, that, uh, that washes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it, it makes sense. There's quite a few bands that are sort of the, the, the front band is often quite funny. Yes. And what I notice a lot is some bands will think that they're funny. Uh-oh. And, and, and you'll get the front band and he'll tr he'll tell like an anecdote and it, it inevitably ends up being something that you would have heard in the 80s. Oh, dear. Uh, oh yeah. dear i don't actually see very many talkative bands at the moment it seems to be a lost art i only ever yeah. started talking to the audience to, to cover the extraordinarily long time that i would spend tuning my guitar but maybe <laughs> now people because there's better musicians than me obviously everywhere you look they don't need to spend so much time waffling in between songs and that's why they're not quite so talkative and i think that's a shame i, I really want to you know if i stick on a record I, there's all the songs if i go live i want a personal connection and i'd really like to hear what the artists have to say for themselves so absolutely yeah i mean i, I quite often miss it when uh, when when bands don't talk much mm. um like and I, I always notice and i think that's probably because part of me like even when i was watching bands before i was into comedy uh i think i was always like you know into comedy but i just never um noticed but i, I did notice when bands would stop talking like i went to see uh misfits at the electric ballroom right. a few years ago many years ago and they played about 150 songs mm. uh, and said about six words yeah uh, like the whole night and they just like here's another song like, and, and then stop and then they just play another one and uh it was incredible to see but i did think like oh just uh oh, tell us a story yeah <laughs> especially with a band with the history of the misfits a band yeah. as legendary who you know have got stories to tell and have a career behind them i'm not saying make every gig an evening with you know but yeah yeah but just a little bit. You've got to find the right balance. Yeah, shame. Yeah, yeah. So you keep it up, man. It's it's good. Thank. I, I like to see it. I did you just say thank? Yeah. Cool. Uh, that's that developed. Yeah. That's an old thing from the band days. <laughs> thank and welk. <laughs> yeah. I like it, man. Yeah. No, I've I've actually uh, I've I've seen you live a uh, a handful of times. Not, right. Not loads, but. Uh, yeah, uh, always enjoy. It. I've not seen you in a while though. But you're you're gigging with two people now, right? Well, I mean, the lineup is two people, so it's me and a drummer. Yeah, has been for yeah. a few years. And is that switching between Guy from from Ruben? Oh yeah, right? and yeah, the last time. I mean, I suppose I haven't played live yet yeah, since last year. And last year, I played with I think four drummers in total. Yeah, there was Dan Cav, who I've been playing with for a long, long time, and then we got Chris Rouse, who was a guitar tech and drum tech for my old band Ruben, old friend who did a few shows. And then I went over and did uh, a couple of shows in Ireland and a very short tour of the UK with Guy, which was wonderful. And then I did my main, long, big, long album tour in the winter in... Was it November? Yeah, I'm always touring on my birthday for some reason with Jack Wrench from Arcane Roots, who is a fantastic player, who I actually, out of the out of the four drummers, Jack I'd known for um, the least amount of time. Everyone else had been with me, you know, ever since, uh, ever since I've been in the band, either playing in the band or teching or driving or whatever. Whereas I'd yeah. only known Jack for about a year or just over a year, so I was a bit I was a bit um, trepidatious as to how we would gel because playing music with someone is one thing, but spending eighteen hours in a van with them is another. And happily, Jack is one of the most easygoing, you know, friendly people 
Well, having said that, that's what I thought he was in the in the first place. I actually discovered on the road that he's he's a lot more like me than I suspected, and I hope he won't mind me saying this, but he's quite cynical, and I'm quite cynical, and maybe that was why we made quite a good match. If he had been as pure as the driven snow and butter wouldn't melt as I first thought he was, perhaps we would have grated against each other. But thankfully, we're both so jaded and angry at the music industry <laughs> that uh, we rub along quite well. So that was a... Uh, a great pleasure not only to play music with him but discover that we're we're good friends as well yeah nice well it's, it's quite funny because I, I i'm quite jaded by the music industry of course hence you are. not not really being a musician anymore yeah. well i'm i am but yeah because I, I spent quite a long time just trying to be a session drummer oh yeah uh, with the with the dream of pl- playing in theaters um, yes great yeah I, I loved it man like playing play for musicals there's something about wonderful uh so, something about playing from a school where everyone's like it's a different level of type to like play, playing in a band absolutely it's, no it's really wonderful it, what musicals did you ever get a go at any i just did i largely did uh amdram stuff all oh, right yeah uh, some some really fun ones uh, i played on um i played on west side story for a week lovely melted my brain yeah uh, sure every, every, everything in that is a horrible time signature yes of course what else godspell like the modern version of godspell not seen it but i i, I know it's rep yeah yeah, it's really fun actually. I played percussion for High School Musical. Oh dear. Oh yeah. no. Uh, that, that was, but the the band for that was uh, was a right laugh. So it's quite something being cool. part of a company, and that again is something that I uh, I wish that I could find some time to do. And it is one of my ambitions actually to. I would like to get involved in in musicals. Actually, you know. It, oh really? We, yeah, absolutely. God, I'd love to. I'm a big fan of musicals. Not all musicals. There's a sort of Again, I sort of sound like um, my uh, culture barometer has just been turned off since about 2010, but <laughs> it's not true. There's all kinds of great new art springing up all the time. But things go in phases, don't they? And I, and I think what I sort of call the wicked syndrome sit in, or, or rather the hairspray syndrome, because hairspray was all this great John Waters film. And then this, I mean, it's, it's driven by money making, because as far as I'm concerned, a musical, a proper musical, is something like, you know, my favourite musicals are Rocky Horror, you know, things like that, that have been written as a musical, and the songs yeah, tell yeah, yeah. the story, and if you take the songs out, you ain't got a story. Whereas what has started to happen is that people take any old property, any old movie that people liked, from the 80s, preferably, and they just wadge a bunch of songs in, and that's not really a musical as far as I'm concerned, and this is what has started to happen, happen with Hairspray, happened with, you know, they've made one out of Back to the Future, Christ... And, yeah, and Beetle, I, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands. Christ, I, awful. Matilda, all this crud. And I don't really think that's a real musical. That's a, that's a story that you've sort of crowbarred some songs in so you can make some money on Broadway. And good luck to you, but really, I hope you die. <laughs> what I am talking about when I say musical is this things like Grease. And, you know, like I say, Rocky Horror, Bugsy Malone all these favorite things i was gonna do you know what i was gonna say little shop but i nearly tripped up because of course little shop was originally a b movie but i think i think the, the little shop musical has been revamped substantially as to be its own thing uh so that's what i mean i'd love to be involved in one of those either as a cast member or as a musician sadly i haven't really got the chops for either i'd have to work on my singing certainly but i'd <laughs> i'd really love to do one of them yeah i mean have you ever uh, well so Small world, uh, obviously. Like I'm in South End, as yeah. you know. The Amdrum company that my sister is in, yes, is uh, the same company that Dave Gardner's in. Dave. 
Gardner. Well, now he's in about six, isn't he? Which one? I came to see him in The Chin Man, as we came to call it. Oh, yeah. My sister was Dorothy. Was she? Yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful. It went on for about six hours, but I enjoyed yeah. it. I enjoyed it. And uh, I have to say, I was paying much more attention to The Chin Man than Dorothy. But the whole <laughs> thing was was wonderful so you would yeah you would i think we went on the last night and it was great yeah and dave you know he's an an, an enormous talent great singer and, and and one of these funny frontmen that we're talking about and i learned a lot from dave and yeah that he's making the transition to acting i missed him in rope he did a serious piece in rope oh uh, right uh but um the chin man was the only, i can't stop smiling at the chin because <laughs> he has a large chin listeners yeah, that was great to see him in that. I was, no, I was very envious, but um, also aware of uh, the large amount of work that he and your sister, obviously, uh, must put into it. Yeah, very galling. Yeah, yeah, like twice a week for six months or something. It's mental. Oh, fuck that. No, I'm not going to do it. Okay, I'm not going to be in there. Anyways, <laughs> course, no. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, like the, the professional guys, uh, I think they rehearse for about uh, a month. Yeah, like it's pretty, it's pretty intense, but it's it's just for about four. I uh, say so just it's for about four weeks. They learn everything and and then just go and do it. What I'm sort of hoping, and this is my career plan, and I haven't revealed this to anyone apart from my managers, who raised many more eyebrows than they actually have when they heard it, <laughs> is that sometimes you get some musical that has fallen on hard times, and they want to do a UK tour, and they have to bag like an F-list star to be in the cast, right? And I I haven't even got quite there yet. So what I'm hoping is that the trajectory of my career continues in an upward path and coincides with the trajectory of some touring musical like Bugsy or Malone or whatever even though that's children to the point where they start cast they think oh we really need someone to put a few bums in seats on this next tour where's an f-list celebrity to play a role and then I'm standing right there and that's (laughs) that's my in so that's what I'm hoping for, that I'll get like a spurious, what, whatever Danny's mate is in Greece. I could play that, yeah. no problem. He'd have to suddenly have a moustache. I ain't getting rid of the um, lip rug. But that's my yeah. plan, is to be your spurious local celebrity in a, a hard-on-its-luck touring version of whatever musical. What what musical? Anyone in particular? Rocky Horror, that's my absolute aim. I want to be. Yeah. I want to play Frank in Rocky Horror. Nice. I'm sure we can make that happen. Mm, Christ. All right. <laughs> I've got some contacts. Okay. No. no. <laughs> I might have. I might, uh, let's look into it. I think it'd be good to play Frank with a moustache. I want to play the first Frank with a moustache. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever considered writing a musical? I've written. Like I've that. written several. Have you really? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, oh wow! But they never, um, they never see the light of day because there's it's such a big project and and they're all stewing away. The first one I wrote was when I was about eleven. It's called Love and Death in East Cheam, and <laughs> it was heavily based on West Side Story and Rocky Horror because I was mad for Rocky Horror when I was ten and eleven. And I got quite away with that before I realised oh I actually had to tell a cohesive story and I couldn't quite manage that. And since then, yeah, I've had several stabs and some bits have turned up as songs on my albums and some bits have stayed in a for the musical pot and eventually i'll manage it so yeah i'm always trying to write a musical that is amazing now i've just realized that i've made what can only be described as the biggest error that i've ever made in uh, in podcasting history in that uh, I've not been recording. You're joking. No, I've got a backup recording. So that's yeah. been recording my end. Are you recording your end? Indeed, indeed. <sighs> Good. Right, I can pull it together. I've just... <laughs> oh, you have no idea how much I've just myself. No, thankfully, I've got one of these little guys. Thank uh, goodness. Oh, yeah, I was looking to get one of them myself, yeah. 
Yeah, very handy. Really, really handy. Because for when anything goes wrong, such as this, because yeah. I've, I've recorded a bit earlier yes. and then I stopped it and then I, I sort of, I called you about three times and oh, it just, and here we are. But oh, well. it's recording again now. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> oh dear. No, it's cool. I've got, I've got a version of myself being recorded. I'll Good. Well, I've got, ver- I've got the important bits, my ends. I'll send them yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just, uh, I'll just do the first bit as just you. Sure. You could just dub. You can dub on your questions afterwards and make it sound like I completely avoided your questions. You'd be like, yeah, I, "What did you I, get I, in I the love... GCSEs?" And I'd be like, "Think about being in the Bundes." <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your What's your favourite type of shoe? Uh, Rocky Horror. Absolutely. Well, that's. I mean, both of those are actually fair enough questions. What I did in my GCSEs was start a band, and my favourite type of shoe is them shoes he wears in Rocky Horror. So there's ways of bending it around. You could do what you like. Here we are. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. That's work. Oh, I've ju- I've just started sweating. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, it's fine. It's worked out. We've got we've got some recording. Have nice. we? That's definitely. Yeah, it's yeah. Right, cool. Good. Onwards. Good. Right. That is, I I'll edit all this. You'll never hear any of that. Okay. All right. Are you big on tea? Uh well, this is the thing. I'm big on English breakfast tea. Yep. I don't actually hold much with any other types of tea, which is, this is a big challenge for me, accepting an, an appearance and invitation to be on this podcast. I, I just drained um, the mug of the rhubarb and ginger tea, which you sent me very kindly. I have to say, I wasn't impressed. It sort of tasted like just ginger, but even less gingery. Uh, oh. So uh, it didn't really grab me there. I was looking forward to the rhubarbiness. Yeah, a, and I ate an awful lot of rhubarb as a child, and maybe the man I am today. And I didn't know. I didn't. I should have stirred it with a stick of rhubarb to get some flavour there. It just tasted like slightly weak ginger tea. So that's a mark off for tea pigs. Oh dear. But generally, yeah, I drink a lot of tea, but it's always English breakfast. Nothing uh, lapsang, souchong, or earl grey. I don't muck about with that business. Nope. Builders. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your breakfast tea of choice? Whatever the cheapest one in Tesco's. I'm not. I'm not very discerning about a lot of stuff. I just sort of bosh yeah. it in. I'm a very simple creature, and I can I can make do with uh, the most basic materials. So as long yeah, as it's enough. brown and wet, I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, what's, I mean, what's your process for making a tea? Is well, it, I, I know that's a boring question. No, but, uh, no, it's about having just said that I was a simple creature. Actually, that's not quite true because once I'll go for any tea bag, but how you must treat the tea bag in order to make a cup of tea to my specifications is pretty severe. Oh. You uh, you got to. It's got to be broiled, basically a like very strong tea. So you gotta you gotta you know brew it for a good while, bully the bag, and then and then only a teaspoon of milk. And I oh. say this to people, and I say, look, only put a teaspoon in. And what you'll do is you'll you'll put the teaspoon in, you'll look at the colour and go, nah, he can't mean it. And then you'll bosh a load more milk in. Stop yourself before that second step because I do just want the teaspoon. I like my tea of a mahogany colour and uh, oh. I have sent many cups of tea back from gracious people. If the queen make it wrong I'm going to send it back. I yeah, just won't that, drink fair it. fair enough. I don't really understand these people that just chuck the cow juice in it to a point where it's just warm milk. You can't taste any of the tea and some people like this sort of beige cream tea and I think just have warm milk. Just have a nice <laughs> little warm milk before bedtime. Don't call it tea. Just admit to yourself that you like warm milk. So no, yes, I just have very very strong tea with a little bit of milk take the edge off well yeah. I, I, I respect that that's uh that's fair enough you like all kinds uh, of teas do you i well I, I was always the same like i always liked just just the english breakfast just like you know pg tits yorkshire tea whatever yeah and then 
I I tried green tea at my friend's house one New Year's because uh, everyone everyone was uh, no was it New Year's it doesn't matter it's irrelevant but regardless there was a party and he gave me some green tea because I didn't want to drink I think I was driving and it sounds like game. a dull party yeah tried, no it was very exciting this uh, and I had green tea for the first time and I thought oh that's okay and I thought there's got to be better versions as well so I started looking into other versions of tea and found some and I'd, I'd never really tried that many and then I wanted to start a podcast and I'd been watching a lot of Seinfeld's podcasts uh, oh, yeah. uh, is it comedians in cars getting coffee oh, and I yes. thought oh, I want to do the quintessentially British version of that yes uh, so I just emailed some tea companies and said send, send me some tea and they said okay did they really? yeah wow yeah, I shouldn't so have been quite so, so the, mean about tea pigs thanks, thanks tea pigs yeah yeah, yeah. So you're thanking me for sending it to you, and although I did pay for the postage, they they sent the tea. So that's a that's a good grift. Nice one. Yeah. I wonder who I, what I could get stuff off for free if I started a podcast. Maybe a podcast based on action figures. I probably could. That's quite easy to do in it if you review action oh, figures. Yeah. I'm just absolutely. The the, oh, there's well, the, there's going to be like hundreds of people that will want to talk to you about that as well yeah you i did actually consider during a very uh bored period last year starting a little um youtube series about all the action figures the trouble is that i've got them all set up so the space is so tight they're all crammed in in uh, intricate displays and i can't really get them out to say look at this peter venkman from ghostbusters so that's a problem that i'm gonna have to sort out but i would love to do it yeah i watch well, a lot that's... of youtube programs myself about action figures oh nice i mean that's the beauty of podcasts though is you could just talk about it and you don't have to get it down good point yes nice one i'll do that yeah it's a purely audio medium i'll it's, just it's describe the sculpts way. yeah yeah uh, how many have you got out of curiosity action figures yeah uh thousands thousands Wow. Just looking at them, there's got to be thousands, yeah. Good grief. Yeah, they're, uh, fair play. Yeah, they're, they're all good. Apart nice. from Sharp Hand Joe, I've got one over here that, again, you can't see. It's uh, my friend got me a Freddy Krueger rip-off figure, like a knockoff action figure of Freddy Krueger called Sharp Hand Joe. <laughs> and he has got a very similar... It's like Where's Wally, but in a hat. And he's got serrated uh, bread knives coming out of his hand. Sharp Hand Joe. He's the only bad action wow. figure I've got. The rest are all brilliant, but Sharp Hand Joe is rubbish. I'd, I'd like to imagine that uh, that very action figure was, was the inspiration behind Freddy Krueger. Like so, yours. No, song, sadly, I mean. he came along a lot later. But I do think of him when I, when I sing Freddy Krueger, which isn't uh, very often. Yeah, nice. Now, right, I have got to ask, because like, I, I've listened to sort of uh, all your albums anyway, as a, as a fan. Thanks. Um, yeah, you're, you're welcome. Now I was listening the other day just to uh, just to sort of refresh myself. Uh, has Shotgun House got a sample of drinking tea in it? It's not a sample. It's a genuine off mic slurp of tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing! Because I was drinking tea when we were recording it, and uh, I thought let's leave that in there because you know nothing says more about me than the fact I was drinking tea. And the irony being that that's the most American that I got on Shotgun House singing this sort of song from the deep south, you know, an Englishman pretending to be from Mississippi. Really quite offensive if you think about it. <laughs> so the culture clash of having that slurp of tea in there, I thought sort of made it all right and, and pricked that the balloon of pomposity, which <laughs> is something I need quite often. But yes, good ears. That is a slurp of tea, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I just heard it and I was like, that, I mean, that, that could be any drink, but that sounds like tea. No, oh, it was yeah. tea. It was tea. And it wasn't even a sample. That was during the vocal take. <laughs> Oh, amazing. I had a slurp I, and we left it in, yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I've got, uh, like, you, you, you know Luke Branch, of course. Of course. Um, so I started another podcast before this that never saw the light of day. Right. And I, I, I'm still yet to actually create a, a theme tune for this podcast. 
Uh, 21 episodes in, still haven't got one. Yeah. Should have, but there we go. But I got, before the other podcast even existed, I got Luke to sing uh, the, the other theme tune. Nice. And and there was just, like, he laughed at how ridiculous it was at the end of it. Because it was cool. It was, a, it was a podcast about nostalgia. Yes. And, like, sort of uh, all, all stuff from uh, my youth. And uh, we called it the Podcasting Peas. Nice one. Down at the bottom of the podcast... Yeah, well, sort of. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, down at the bottom of the garden, uh, there are the podcasting peas. I don't, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. You've got to send it <laughs> to me, It, it never happened. But, You're talking yeah, to Luke... a man that has the theme dream from Poddington Peas on a CD that he listens to on the reg in the car. Nice. What's my point? Oh, yeah, anyway, so he laughed at the end of that, and it was just it was really good, so I left it in. So. Oh, great. Yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of stuff's important. You'll have to send it to me. I'm intrigued. I, I will. Yeah, but I did. Uh, I, I I had to sort of uh, rewrite it and recorded it myself, and then just got Luke to re-record the bits that sounded because I'm not a, a, an amazing guitarist. I enjoy it, but I'm not very good. So. Uh, join, join the club, mate. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm. You're. Yeah, you're better than me. That so is, uh... it, it, it's all relative, isn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm better at the songs that I've written because uh, absolutely. No, no, one else, no one else has ever heard them. So yeah, yeah. Are you a biscuit dunker? No, not at all. Not, no, not, not songs. No, I never would. Even before I switched to a diet that doesn't really allow me any biscuits, I would never dunk. I thought the point. I mean, is the point of the biscuit that it uh, is porous and allows tea? Because the sop is um, is a staple. It's been a, a staple of British diet since medieval times and before. When people talk about a milk sop. What they mean is, you know, a piece of bread soaked in milk that you would give to a child to eat. But also for a lot of medieval history, a wine sop when you when you woke in the morning, a, a, a classic breakfast for people in medieval times was a bit of bread soaked in wine. That, that's what you'd have for breakfast. So really? The, yeah, absolutely. So the culture of dunking things in your drink is actually quite intrinsic to our nation's eating habits and indeed European eat, eating habits. Whereas to me, it seems bizarre that you would dip anything in your drink. The fact is that it's only in the last hundred years that we haven't done that for most of our meals. So um, in the history of, you know, British culture, I'm fairly aberrant in that I've never thought this was a good idea. And and so when you dunk your biscuit in your tea, you're joining your long line of ancestors going way back when who did the same thing with wine and bread. But no, it's always been revolting. And uh, I, I like the fact that a biscuit is crispy. But where I'm doubting myself here, it is a biscuit crispy because you're supposed to make them soggy. I don't know. Ooh, Philosophy and history. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so do you, do you have a biscuit whilst you eat, uh, whilst you drink your tea? Sometimes I will. I live a very, um, people who can just have a, a cup of tea and a, and a couple of biscuits with it. I envy those people hugely because that's not how I'm able to live my life these days. I used to. And then I got too fat to move. And so now I have to really limit myself. And every now and then, before what I call a, a have a treat meal, I'm allowed to eat what I want for one meal a week. And nice. maybe if it gets to about five o'clock before the treat meal, I might have a cup of tea. And because there's going to be some shenanigans later on, at, at this point, I may treat myself to a biscuit. And when I do go for a biscuit, I like a chocolate chip cookie, like a Maxwell. Are they called Maxi? What are they called? The chocolate chip cookies that you get in the supermarket for about a pound? I don't know. Max something, they're good. Oh, I do like a party ring. I had some party rings. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, the Oreo. I do like the Oreo. These are my biscuits of choice. And now you've got me tummy rumbling and I can't wait for tea time. (laughs) But yes, the simple pleasure. I never thought I'd look upon a biscuit as an unassailable luxury or indeed a slice of toast. But unfortunately, I'm 37 now and these things, that's what my life is. But it means I appreciate it more when I do have them, which is hardly ever. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a special treat. It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a, a much more, that's an incredible answer, to be fair. Sorry. The, uh, about the whole sop. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose that's where sopping wet comes from. Uh, you would have thought so. Yeah. I am learning. Yeah. <laughs> that is uh, that is true of this podcast more than any other. Although I did actually learn what PG in PG tip stands for the other day, which is progestive. What? Yeah. Helps your digestion. Progestive. That's nuts. Well, okay. Good. Thank you. Well. Yeah, you're welcome. Great uh, hey, we're imparting knowledge on we each are, other. We are. Did you want to have another tea or uh... We could go for another tea. Absolutely, yeah. Cuz you've got a second. I'll need to go and boil my kettle. Tell you what, let's let's take a short break and then yeah. in 5 minutes we'll reconvene with a new brewed tea. How's that? Yeah, sounds good. Whilst we are still talking about tea, because uh, you you had the rhubarb and ginger, I did, and it's always it's always my plan to have the same tea as uh, my guest. But yes. I uh, what I did was I sent you the last rhubarb and ginger that I had, Ugh. so I could I couldn't have the same one. Wow, uh, what did you have? I had the tea pigs trim, which is their metabolism tea. Wow, I mean I wouldn't call any product trim for various no. reasons, but uh, okay. Well done, it pigs. was like it was fine. Sure, it, I, I had a uh, I had a upbeat a beetroot tea from them the other day, and it was delicious. Holy malakas! Uh, so um, they do they do make a good tea. They've got quite a few nice ones, like the jasmine pearl one in particular is quite nice. This is this is fine. I'd drink it again if it was there, but I'm not going to buy it. Okay, all right, thanks. Good yeah. uh, good info you, there. You're welcome. I don't know why I told you that. You don't imagine you care. Cool. Right. Okay. Let's uh, let's go and have a tea. Um, okay. And right, we'll we'll reconvene in a moment. I'm gonna leave it recording because. Okay. Uh, all right. Otherwise, it may never start again. Good thinking. Give me a call back. Hello, Sai. Hello. I was just texting you. Sorry. I, did you uh, have trouble getting through to me again? Yeah, a couple of times. I think my internet's having a funny five minutes, and I can only apologise. Oh, that's quite all right. How how are you doing? Hmm. Very good. I'm just trying this curry tea, the turmeric tea. Yeah. It's very nice, actually. Yeah. It tastes. It tastes. It got a big more taste. It got a big more taste than the rhubarb. That's the new campaign for Twinings. Turmeric. It got a big more taste. That's yeah. how they need to. They need to call. I did. What have you gone for? I, I got, I've gone for the same one as you. Oh right. How's it? How's it working out for you? I, I've not tried it yet because it's uh, it's very hot and very... I burn my mouth very easily. Sure. You got a tender little mouth. Things <laughs> I shouldn't say, much less record. Uh, oh, I'm gonna you... uh, I'm gonna soundbite that. Jesus. <laughs> Brian, so are we just because I, I in the gap I remembered a uh, my favourite stand-up comic who I'd mysteriously missed out of the entire list, even though I listed every stand-up comic coming to the sun. I have a favourite. Are we recording though? Because it might be good for your. <laughs> yeah, I've not I've not stopped recording this. Time. Okay, well I just remembered my my actual my favourite stand-up comic that I started listening to to return to the question that you didn't re-ask ask, um, about that. 2010 period where mainstream British comedy started to bore me a little bit. Yeah. Coincidentally, I found all of Steve Martin's records. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah. I'm an absolute maniac, huge fan of his comedy records. I was sort of indifferent to his Hollywood films, which is how most people in Britain know him. I don't yeah. think any. I don't think anyone in Britain knows a that there is such a thing as a stand-up comedy album, 
and B, that Steve Martin topped the charts in America with them for for the most of the late seventies. So I was quite shocked when I heard it. And um, and his stand up persona is diametrically opposite to the sort of uptight character he plays in all those great 80s movies. So it was quite Uh, a revelation. Have you ever heard any of his stand-up? I don't think I have, actually. I I could not recommend it more. And in fact, I had only just discovered him when I went to sing on Frank Turner's uh, England Keep My Bones record. I went to a lovely big studio in Crouch End to sing there with him. And his drummer, Nigel, who I'd known for years anyway, gave me a lift back to the station. And Nigel is cool. Do you know anything about Frank Turner and his band and, and all that business? Do you like Frank Turner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, He's a cool um, guy. Is Frank, is Frank Turner's uh, bassist is Mitch, right? No, his bassist is Tarrant, a guy called Tarrant Anderson, who used to be the tour manager for my band. Oh, OK. And in fact... That's how Frank met his band, The Sleeping Souls, because they were basically our crew on our tours. And Nigel, who's their drummer, just the coolest of dudes. And in his car, I was just about to say, hey, Nigel, have you heard? And in his car was the CD of um, Let's Get Small by Steve Martin. And I knew if anyone was already on the inside tip about Steve Martin, it would be Nigel. So further proof of his immense genius there. But uh, yeah, check out Wild and Crazy Guy, which is obviously is to do with his time on Saturday Night Live with uh, Dan Aykroyd piggybacking on everyone and and Let's Get Small is arguably his funniest album even though Wild and Crazy was his biggest one and what I need to check out what I mean to check out on this tack forgive me for hijacking your own podcast to talk about comedians go on is Bobcat Goldthwaite's Meet Bob oh, okay which again I've not heard it and I've not heard any of his stand up but he I don't know if anyone knows this he went on tour with Nirvana opening for Nirvana on the Inutro tour they took Bobcat Goldthwaite as a stand-up comedian to open for a rock gig which is just brilliant and yeah. um i've never heard any of a stand-up well, i love his crazy character in all those brilliant films so i mean to investigate that so thanks for reminding me even though you didn't of steve martin and there <laughs> and by that way bobcat goldthwaite but uh yeah great great comedians you're welcome <laughs> or should i say welk welk yeah, yeah. that who's it I can't remember what band it was, but uh, John Cooper, uh, John Cooper Clark, the uh, comedy poet, yes, used to open for. I want to say the Damned. Right. Was yes. It the Damned. Well, I don't know either, anything about the two, but it sounds it sounds like it could work. And in fact, when I went to see Biffy, Biffy did a very special gig at King Tut's just before they signed their huge record label and became um, the biggest band on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> And they had a comedian opening for them as well, a famous Scottish comedian whose name escapes me. So it's actually not as as rare as you might think. They they every now and then they dovetail rock and and comedy. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. I've only just remembered that it was a crazy night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Luke wanted me to uh, do some stuff for them once. I've hosted a couple of like they've they've curated stages at festivals and I've sure. hosted that and sort of just being funny in between bands yeah it's, people have asked me to do that every now and then c- compare a stage I did it once a long time ago I'm not really sure there's definitely a place for it if you do it right it can be dynamite I think I saw Devin Townsend compare a stage at Sonosphere one year and that wasn't going down too well but uh, and I was tempted to sort of compare when I did my Lemmania festival oh, okay. com- to compare that but I thought it would be a bit too much I mean, it's already called Lem Mania. You don't want too much of me. Plus, I was incredibly busy the rest of the day. But it's an idea, isn't it? Yeah, having a compare. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. There, there are a couple of bits where I just 
it myself, but uh, sure. yeah, it's very fun. That's and then uh, a couple of gigs because I was I was just sort of tour managing and driving for Asylums for quite a while. Oh, right. And, uh, they got to a point where I, I was occasionally selling merch and then Luke would just pull me on stage. So I'd be selling merch like before and after and while they're on, I'd be teching for them, just sort of running about. Blimey. And then Luke would just pull me on stage with a box of vinyls to, <laughs> to be funny and try and sell them. And uh, great. A, a, a man came up to me at a, oh, where was it? in Chelmsford like a horrible little cave Uh-oh. and uh, a, a guy come up to me and bearing in mind this is about the fourth night in a row that I've done it and this guy had just come up to me and he said oh that didn't work did it I was like oh f*** off mate I didn't even know it was happening oh dear people are very yeah. unforgiving aren't they yeah no one likes it when someone makes an effort. No, yeah that's it uh, and I think he tried to uh, proffer a suggestion of uh, of what I could have done differently I was like, I oh that's the worst I mean I've been guilty of that yeah there's that impulse when you see a, a comic to, to share with them your best joke that they can yeah, use yeah yeah well you did that to me did I? yeah do you remember you, you were How dressed as um, Rimmer was I? Yeah. What out, was the joke in, I gave in you? South End for uh, for Anna Webster's birthday. What what a bell Can you remember the joke? I can't. It was well, terrible you, though. Your your wife apologised to me before you told it because she knew the joke. <laughs> I was probably full of McDonald's. Yes, I'm afraid it's a uh, it's the comedian's version of you should write a song about that, which I get. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just a. But then you know, having made the mistake myself towards so many comedians, you'd think I'll be more forgiving of the people that make the mistake towards me about music. But I'm not. I wish they'd all burn in a bin. <laughs> I think it was a fair trade-off, though, because the first time that we properly met was at uh, Mike's wedding, Mike and Anna's wedding, and um, I was very, very drunk. Oh, like, yes. Very, very, very drunk. Oh, and dear. at the end of the night, I believe I told you that I love everything you do. Apart from my jokes, evidently. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, uh, that was the that was the trade-off. Well, let's, I, let's I forgive like each other then... for our past discretions and, and yeah. move on from it. yeah. And now, and now we're just best of friends. So. We are best of friends. <laughs> Absolve. Yeah. What have you been up to during the during the lockdown? That's a, a question that comes up quite a lot in a minute. Sure. Um, I've actually been run off my balls. I've been so very busy. Lots of things conspired coincidentally. There, one thing that happened was obviously because all gigs have been cancelled. Um, suddenly everyone has started scratching their heads to think about what musicians could be doing instead of gigs and lots of yeah. these things have come my way and the first thing is obviously you know live streaming concerts and I'm a bit um shy of technology so I was a bit anxious about it but I did one in my own study from from where you see me now and that went incredibly well and then I don't know if it was a consequence of that but it seems to be that since I did that I've just been pulled left, right and centre doing different live stream concerts for lots of people. I did one for Kerrang, I did one for PRS last week and I'm doing one for Dork Magazine next week. All the while trying to find time to do my own one as well. Because some of the ones, the pre-records, I have to film them as well. So it takes up an awful lot of time. Whereas at the same time as all this business, suddenly doing you know more gigs in a month than I usually would, certainly in you know April or wherever, um, quite coincidentally, I've become very busy with illustration and design work oh, which cool. is which is odd because until for the for the previous two years until the lockdown started i'd done very little illustration and design it, it that well had, had run dry which wasn't so much a problem when i was busy touring and recording but began to become a bit of a problem you know financially in between records so i was beginning to get a bit anxious about that and then all of a sudden i've got lots of work on so really 
This past month has been incredibly busy and the next month looks to be just as busy juggling because it's usually one or the other. My life has sort of worked out so I'm either writing and recording, I'm either doing music or I'm doing illustration and design. I was in my band for 15 years or however long. Then when I sacked that off, you know, I got a job at a design agency and I started drawing children's books and I did that for about, you know, five or six years. And then when I sort of went back into the band, I ended up sacking off my job at the design agency. So it was back to music again. It's very rare that they're both happening at the same time. But this is one of those periods where that is the case. And it's a bit frantic, but I still have time to yeah. mow the lawn and, and talk to you. So I'm yeah. very, very, very busy. Oh, that's cool, man. That yeah. sounds really good. It is, that's that's uh, when I operate best. Yeah. 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 I, I, I work well under pressure. Soon as I realise that things are wrong, like I've stuff forgotten to hit record. On yeah, the, uh, yeah. I, th- I, I, I sprung into action. You did. <laughs> and, you uh, did very well. Yeah. I thankfully, because um, funnily enough, it, so if you're not that familiar with sort of current like club comedy or anything, I'm not. Because uh, you you mentioned before that um, like watching going to watch comedy is quite expensive. Yeah. But I mean, for a, for a musician who who are all poor, yeah. yeah. I think if you've got a nice office job somewhere. You can uh, you could go wherever you like, but certainly for me, I've always been relatively poor because of my chosen profession. So uh, you know, it's only been in the last few years that I could pay for rock gigs. I used to have to always worm my way in on the guest list, and yeah, until I I know someone on the door for the comedy gigs, that that would be the same. Well, I mean, if you're looking for comedy gigs near you, if I'm if I'm in your area, I'll give you a shout. I'd love to come along. I'd be very grateful. Yeah, because I do like live comedy. Yeah, but it's the 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 cool thing about live comedy is where. I suppose it is the same with bands, really. Like you can get a lot of people that are sort of fairly similar to each other in in uh, in who they are as people. Yes. But as as long as they're a good comedian, you're always getting a unique opinion on sort of different things. So like it's it's cool. There's a lot to be found at comedy clubs rather than sort of going to watch tour shows or whatever. Like tour shows are incredible because you get to see that person in their element at Absolutely. the top of sort of what they're doing. That's that. a production though, isn't it? That's that's slightly different. That's not yeah. really what I'm interested in. I, I much prefer, you know, club gigs put together yeah. five or six comics in a bag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know exactly. Obviously, I know roughly where you are, but I, d- I don't know the area per se. But I, there's a lot of gigs not far, uh, is what I will say. So... Yeah, well, I mean, having having professed my love of stand-up comedy and, and reeled off a, an encyclopedia of all my favourite <laughs> comics and, and thinking about it, how many books I've read, it is actually, it's weird how little comedy I do go and see because it is out there, yeah. It just, the thing is, it's like pizza and burger, right? Go on. I love burger. I love pizza. If you give me the choice, I will always go for pizza because I enjoy pizza one microbe more than burger, which isn't right. to say that I don't completely and utterly adore burger. But because pizza just pips it, if you give me the choice, I will always go to a rock gig, you know, over a comedy gig, I'm afraid. And it's the same with pizza and burger. If you've only got one meal a week, which I do <laughs> um, these days, you know, I used to eat pizza, burger, pizza, burger on and off throughout the week. But now it's burger don't get a look here, mate. So that's yeah. my that's my problem, you see? Yeah, actually, I'd say it's the same for me with, with comedy and music again, mm. but the other way around, mm-hmm. where before I discovered comedy, I would be going to see like two or three gigs a week, like local gigs and then Great. big gigs or whatever. Great. And I'd just be like all over the place watching so many gigs. Like I got, I still got all of my like ticket stubs. Are you one of them, uh, are you? It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a box somewhere. And, like I've got hundreds. Cool. 
and I'd saw so much music because that was all I was doing. Like I was playing yes. loads and I was hanging out. Like, like I was I was with my band for a little over a year and we played about 120 shows. Nice, uh, wow. Which for a first year is uh, it's an awful lot. Phenomenal, yeah. And it was it was great. And like I was going to see gigs with them. I was on the guest list for gigs. I was teching gigs and all sorts. And then once I sort of it's a long story. I basically fell out of love with music a little bit. Of course, um, yeah. Well, the industry would do that to you. Yeah, and I'm back into it now. But um, yeah, Good. for a little while, I was, was sick to the uh, was it sick, sick to the back teeth with it. Something yeah, like that. and sick uh, to the hind legs of a donkey. That's it. And then uh, during that time, I I'd wanted to do comedy for quite a long time, and sort of everything had fallen apart in the session musician world, and uh, like I just got screwed over one too many times, and sure. And and I thought, well, I've literally got nothing else, so I might as well just go and try comedy. And it turns out I was quite good at it. So, have you ever thought about uh, comedy music in the style of that fellow who has the orchestra? That's very funny. Uh, Tim Minchin. No, he can go uh, fall into a hole. I can't stand Tim Minchin. <laughs> Who's the other? He's got like a big orchestra, and he's got like a beard and a sharp hairdo, and his orchestra do funny things. He he has a, a setup where he invites the audience to bounce the ball between each other, and the orchestra play to the tempo of their bouncing ball. No, oh, is it really? not ringing a bell? No. It's a whole thing. I wish I could give you his name. But obviously, the fame, the, I mean, musical comedy is, used to be, I feel like it was frowned upon for a few years, but then people like Flight of the Concords and to an extent the Mike Bush and the fellow with the dandelion mind. What's his name? The Goblin Man. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Bill Bailey. Bill, Bill Bailey. <laughs> he sort of brought it back up a bit. Would you consider going into musical comedy in, in that regard? I I've considered it. Uh, I, I wrote. I think before I actually started stand up, I, I wrote a comedy song and yeah. And then I, I I looked at it again a few months after having written it and thought I can't say that in front of people. That's oh, horrendous. Dear. Oh no! If you want to write a comedy song, you've got to be good at both. You've got to write a good song and it's got to be funny. Double that's there. it. But the only sort of music that I'm good at writing is sort of heavy rock. There's uh, definitely so. a place for that. Uh, yeah, there probably is actually some sort of element for it. I mean, some people do it, like Nick Helm does it. He he uh, plays with a live band. Does uh, he? Yeah, I'm not keen on him, but I look him. I look him up. Did you ever watch The Midnight Beast? No, I didn't. I saw like a couple of episodes of their show, but mm. uh, yeah, no, they they were good actually. I've I've started working with uh, one of the fellows from The Midnight Beast, and he's ever so sweet and an incredibly talented producer. But I never actually saw his show, so I was kind of reaching for your uh, impression of it. But I will remain uh, oblivious. You'd think that having formed a friendship with this lad I would go and check it out I'm sort of afraid that if it isn't brilliant I won't be able to look him in the eye so I might just keep it a mystery I'm sure yeah. you'd appreciate that I, it depends how much respect you've got for it no it's, it is good it's, it, I, I'd watch it I, I'd recommend it I, like I say I've only seen a couple of episodes but what sure. I saw was very enjoyable oh so. cool alright well maybe I will check it out then okay Yeah, now, now that you've asked about this, T, which you haven't reminded me of, we're, we're in the same boat as me asking you about comedy. Yes. I like it. I've had it before. It, I quite like it, but I think I'll only like it because I'm hungry and I want dinner and this tastes a bit like dinner. Yeah. I, so I, I remember I had this on my, the first ever episode of this podcast and myself and Cole Donnelly, the, uh, the, the guest that I had at the time, described it as tasting like a Christmas ramen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why you need a comedian instead of a musician, because they have a, a turn of phrase. Well, a lyricist is supposed to have a turn of phrase, but it's deserted me. Well, I mean, more power to him. That was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it, it does taste like that, though, doesn't it? It, it does. It does. Oddly specific. That's why everybody needs a comedian to write copy. For, of course uh, they do. If anyone asks you what your dinner was like, quickly call a comedian. And they'll sort yeah. you right out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, give me the gist, and I'll, 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 um, mm. I'll, I'll make that it. Could be a good sideline for you during lockdown. <laughs> yeah. you need Want me to describe your dinner? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Send me the bullet points. I mean. So, like, have you been doing any writing or anything whilst you're in lockdown? Are you just too busy? No, I did actually. I did a writing session with the fella from um, the Midnight Beast. We um, oh, cool. got together with a with an artist on a, a label in Germany, I think it was. And something that I've been doing only very recently is is writing for other artists. But it's um, I enjoy the challenge an awful lot. So uh, yes, I did that. Uh, I haven't written anything for myself. The way I write for myself is a lot more of a long form thing. I sort of get a kernel of idea. And I think about it when I'm running or something. And I've had a couple of ideas, but they were taken off a lot longer to materialise into a real thing. Maybe not for a couple of years or so. Whereas with the session I did last week, I think it was, or maybe the week before, you know, we had sort of two days to get something down from start to finish, lyrics, structure, everything. And in that sort of pressurised environment, it came out really good, actually. The session was really good. Everyone was really uh, firing off each other. Sometimes the personalities don't quite gel and what you end up with isn't quite as successful. But this time, I was very I was very pleased with what we came up with. I'm looking forward to hearing it on top of the pops because <laughs> the singer in question is very talented, got a great voice. And, uh, yeah, it's frustrating because I, if I write a song for myself, I can play it at my gigs and I can put it on my own record. With these songs that I'm writing for other people... I have to wait until they bring it out before anyone gets to hear it. So yeah, yeah th- that's the only writing that I've been doing is um, I did a writing session and, and I think we're going to do a few more because it went quite well. We did it over Zoom. We were all a bit sceptical, but it but it worked out well. Oh, cool. Nice. Because I, I mean, I've like, I've, I suppose I've never really done any music writing sessions. Like I've, I've sort of, I've collaborated with people and sort sure. of work stuff together, but like I've, I've, written and been in writing sessions for comedy and uh, i imagine it works similarly in that one person will come along and say I've, I've i've got this you know acorn let's let's carve it into a shelf i don't know but you know like we'll just we'll sort of throw it around a little bit and then say mm, i don't know maybe it's that and sometimes like like you say sort of sometimes it doesn't work like you, you you'll find people that it doesn't work with but then generally i will find someone with, within that session that it does work with and i'll sort of I'll contact them later and be like yeah i did a, i did a what? comedy writing session once i did one and i thought it was quite productive but then nothing came of it which is a shame i suppose you've you got to throw a lot of mud at the wall before some of it will stick I absolutely guess. Yeah. yeah that is the uh that's the thing with um sort of open mic nights that's, that's quite funny about them because you'll get sort of more experienced comedians who already they, they know how to be on stage and they know how to be funny but they're going along like they're not using those nights for their gold uh of course. <laughs> like they're, they're going along with brand new ideas that probably don't work but yeah. they know how to be funny so yes. you sort of you make it work wow uh, I'd, maybe i'd like to go to an open mic night. that sounds fascinating it yeah it can be uh, yeah, chances are you'll see at least two of the newer comedians, and you'll think I would either like to kill myself or them. It, it could be quite the. Uh... It's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I find it quite hard to remember how hard it is. The the trouble, the thing that I've always found, and I often talk about this to my wife, is that more so in comedy, I think, than in music, if you open your mouth and you just cannot sing there's people who say oh, i can't sing and they're right right some people just can't <laughs> sing yeah but with comedy the the lesson seems to be that no matter how hard you bomb you have to keep going and i feel like you know if you in comedy you're expected to go through two or three years of hell of failing every night before you gain a foothold whereas in music i think you know just a few gigs, maybe five or six gigs with that kind of reaction would make you give up and most people would agree. But in comedy, it does seem like you're expected to go through purgatory for a much longer period. And the thing I that I find confusing about this is how do you know if you're just rubbish? 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, I, the, and you ask yourself, am I still going through this period that I'll come at the other side a beautiful comedy butterfly or am I just terrible? Have yeah, I got the wrong a, angle A lot on of that? people never really realise. Like yeah. some of them, it's really cool because like I say, like there will be people that will make you sit there thinking I hate everything that's going on here. Yeah. But some of those people will turn out to be absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, like you say, like, you know, beautiful comedy butterfly. But you've got to go through the same process. Like everyone has to go through the same process of they will suck at some point. Even the people that come out and are good for a while, like they're good to start with. Some people are. They just come out and they just go, la, 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 la. I'm amazing. Oh, bam, they're on TV. Yeah. But then they find themselves, they're elevated to the next level where yes. they will suck. This is what Lenny Henry said. I just read Lenny Henry's book, which details his early career. And he said he found it very easy straight away. He started off as an impressionist. Yeah. And then he was immediately on telly, immediately doing like paid gigs. And then he hit a wall. Yes, when he got to that level and suddenly he had nothing. So it's interesting to hear you uh, corroborate that story. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's absolutely true. Like, But every time it's... It's weird because obviously, as you would with anything, you could describe something as being on a ladder, like you're climbing that ladder. Yeah. And... You know the the way I see it is it's a giant ladder, right? And you sort of and you you'll jump and you'll get like a couple of fingers. You'll just get a little finger hold on the first rung, and then you'll sort of work for ages, struggling, and you're having a hard time. And eventually, you get a good grip on that rung, and you pull yourself up and you stand on a rung. And you're like, I am the king of this rung. Yes. And then you think, I've got to get up to the next one. So you jump again and you just struggle for a long time. And every time you get up to that next rung, you just struggle. Wow, what a, a horrible journey you describe. <laughs> It's Sorry. a nightmare, yeah, yeah. I would I l- recommend it. No, it's amazing. You should, you should definitely give it a go. Uh, if it's something that you've always fancied doing, do it. Yeah, well, see, I've sort of got to the time now in my life where, because everyone thinks that, I don't know, maybe it's a bit stupid to say this because it never is too late, is it? But I think because I'm currently so busy with two careers already, it, yeah. there's really not much room to embark upon a third. At some point, I'm sort of looking forward to when... Uh, either the music or the illustration die off <laughs> because yeah, yeah. when no one asks me to play in gigs or when I'm making another record because then I could concentrate on one of these other hundred things that I do want to do but uh, for the last sort of 15-20 um, years it has been incredibly difficult to find time it's already difficult enough to find time for the two careers I do have let alone a third but yeah I'm looking yeah. forward to, to changing not changing career I don't want to quit music but it would be good to have I just need more time but then everyone's the same aren't they they want more time in it oh yeah well, that's the thing. Like, kind of, it, when you're in that situation, and a lot of people do it, they'll just treat it as a hobby, and sure. it's, a, it's a brilliant hobby, and it and it feels good. But after a while, it becomes a very time-consuming hobby. Of course, because it requ- it requires so much time to get to a point where you're happy with what you're doing. <laughs> and yeah, and, and so. dedication, yeah, and and pain and toil, yeah. It's not yeah. a light hobby, is it? Or maybe it might seem it. No, I think reading all those biographies I I keep talking about have have given me, from the start, a very um unrose tinted view of i think a lot of people you know if you're funny at a party someone says oh you're funny you should do stand up which has been you know a phrase that's rung in my ears for as long as i can remember it ain't the same thing being a funny guy at a party to being a funny guy on stage in front of a room of hostile strangers and because i was reading those books and those memoirs from an early age i I knew that straight from the start and i i knew no this ain't a game yeah it's a tough business so Perhaps that prevented me from slightly willfully just going, yeah, I'll do that and stumbling on and oh, I could be funny and dying an absolute death. Yeah. But then again, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So what are you going to do? I was, 
I see a lot of people do that as well, where they like someone, all their friends will tell them, like, probably whilst they're at parties, coked off their head. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, you're so funny, you should go do stand up. And, and then you see them go to do stand up. Do you? And they, they take that same energy yeah. on stage and they just go, without actually thinking about anything that they're saying or have planned. And and then they'll die a death and they'll turn around and be like, well, what was wrong with that? Like, what happened? Yeah, very dangerous. Whereas I. Uh, I, I could be a, a little introspective at parties sometimes. Yes. Um, like I'll be sat in a corner. But if you get a, a group of people that will sit around a table and uh, and like kind of one funny thing comes up, like I could riff off of that and I'll, I'll have the table in the palm of my hand. Uh, and as a, a, a fairly introspective, ostensibly shy person, I'll, I'll feel like an absolute king. But then I can also take that and do that in a room on a stage. But... If you get a bunch of genuinely sort of really funny people around in a pub, I might get one or two lines in for the whole evening. Right. <laughs> and I'll just, I won't be that funny guy. But, but you get you a free put, show. Yeah. But you, you put those funny people on stage, funny at the pub, and they're not funny. So It's all about yeah. context, isn't it? I'm glad that I've, well, I've never seen that happen to anyone, although I've seen some bad comics who maybe were told that they should do stand-up and were regretting that advice. But uh, I'm grateful I've never fallen into that trap myself oh, yeah. no. no nobody's ever tried stand up who haven't at one point been told that they're funny really well actually do you know what i say that i <laughs> I, I i wanted to try stand up for a long time because uh, while i was working in the theater i saw everyone from like we ran uh like comedy clubs in a little bar in a room downstairs and so i'd be seeing people that are sort of where i am now like working their way up and and then on the main stage, like twenty six hundred seat theatre, we'd have uh, you know like Lee Evans, Omidyar Lily, Dara O'Brien, like enormous enormous acts, like at the top of their game. So I'd see everyone, and I'd be like, oh, I really, it's just it's just cool. Like, and I felt like I had something that I could do. Um, and then I turned to the people that I work with, and I said, I really want to try comedy. And uh, two of them turned around and said, but you're not funny. Uh, and so I went, oh nice. okay. Wow. So wow. So uh, yeah, it was about three more years until I actually tried stand up. Well, I'm looking two... forward to seeing your stand up, having had this conversation with you today, and uh, experiencing firsthand, you know, how in normal life you're really quite bland. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to the transformation oh. on stage. Uh, yeah. F- fuck you. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Thank. Um, that's uh, that's very kind. Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna. I'm gonna think about that for days on end. Okay, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, no. Well, that's the thing is like in in this lockdown world that we're in, the only real comedy stuff that's existing. Like I'm sort of I'm having quite fun conversations such as this, uh, which I'm really enjoying, and I sort of, I get to portray ideas in in different ways. It's not the same as being on stage. It's completely different. But it's still an output. Of course, yeah. Um, but the the other thing that exists is live stream gigs. And I've seen a few comedy ones and some of them work very, very well. And then, like, it'll be the same gig, you know? Like, different people on the same gig, like, one person doing it will be amazing. And the other person who I've seen live is awful. Yeah. And if you saw them doing that, you'd be like, I'm never going to go and see that person live. But they're, ge- they're very good. And it's just not a format that works for them. Sure. So so I've not actually tried any live stream gigs yet because I'm terrified. <laughs> well, send me an email while you do. I'll be watching. I've seen a, a few live stream cabaret shows. And yeah, it was, it's always a mixed bag. And it, it's the same for musicians. That you have to find out, you know, who can translate it to a, a new medium. Yeah. And, uh, it takes a special energy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you got yeah. to you got to replace that interaction with something. Yeah, oh, we'll see. Blimey. Yeah, yeah, cool, man. 
Right, uh, have you got anything that you want to plug, like anything you're doing at the minute, or do you want to plug any of your albums? Or Where, When's this coming out? Probably in a week. Okay, well, it, in that case, I would just say I'd recommend that people check out my new single, Summer of Discontent slash brackets the future is dead depending on where you're listening to it because different radio stations are called it different things so check that out and also keep an eye on my socials for the total request live i'm doing a series of shows when i get a chance which is for people write in and request songs and ask questions so it's a bit like an evening with a bit like an interactive show so have a look out for those the last the first one was really great and I'm, I'm quite eager to get another opportunity but that's all i got at the moment to plug really is the new single and uh any of these Total Request live shows that I managed to pull out. Cool, man. Uh, what are your links for your socials? It's all just Jamie Lenman, like jamielenman.com, Jamie Lenman at Facebook. I don't really know. I'm, I'm just logged in and that's all I see. Yeah, There's only one cool. Jamie. There's so only just, one oh. Jamie Lenman. Just shout Jamie Lemon at your computer until I appear. It will happen. <laughs> yeah. Is, are you like, what is it, Bloody Mary? Is it Bloody Mary? You mean the thing that appears in the mirror when you say the name seven times? Yeah. What's blo- No, I don't know about Bloody Mirror. I know about the Candyman, uh, though. Oh, uh, yeah, Candyman, of course. Yeah. Beetlejuice. Be- of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, is I'm that, not like that, that, no. Is that your vibe? <laughs> no, just keep saying. Yeah, you've got to shout my name a hundred times into a mirror and then I'll turn up. See how many people do it. Brilliant. Oh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to find out A if people do that and B if you do turn up. Well I'll have to now, wouldn't I? It's binding, isn't it? Yeah. Oh bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well I've got to get off then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a lot of places to visit. I have all of a sudden. Yeah. Cool man. All right, thank thanks very much for coming on. You're um, welcome. It's been really, it's been really fun. Thanks um, for having me. Like I said, you know, if I if I'm ever in your area or if you're in mine, then let's let's do this face to face. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks very much, and uh, um, we'll get some uh, rhubarb. In fact, no, I, I think I preferred the uh, Christmas ramen. To be honest, sack off the yeah, rhubarb. It's good. I mean, I've got like of the Twinings one, so I've got about three hundred more bags. No, you're just boasting. You're just boasting now. They they sent me a lot. Great, I'm gonna write some. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let, let me know. I'll send you some more. Lovely. And, uh, yeah, cool man. Right. Anything else? I've said cool man too many times. That is. Uh, I, what's happened is I've done something that has given me some buzz of energy, and um, it was I'm the turmeric. It's. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's got me excited. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Well, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you soon. Uh, if this goes on for a long time, I'll, let, let's do it again. Okay. Great. All right. Thanks, yeah, pal. See, see if you've got anything else to say. Sure <laughs> anything else to add to the conversation. All right, I'll, um, I'll clock off and I'll send you my versions of our convo. Yeah, thanks very much for the whole thing. And yeah. then I'll piece together my thing. And Do your best. Cool. I'm glad you're doing well, man. You too, uh, buddy. Uh, good to see you. Uh, I'm sorry about that party where I was rimmer. What are you going to do? Yeah, uh, that's fine. No, it's good. It's good fun. Okay. It was, uh, I, I think I'd been at a gig, actually, beforehand. And that's why I got there late. Oh, see. Okay. Yeah, I've been at McDonald's. Similar reasons, yeah. 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 Yeah, that'll do it. Cool, man. Right, let's. Uh, I've, I've said it again. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut all of those out except Please. for like the first one. Please do. Yeah. 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 Okay. Bye for now, love. Cool. Cheers, man. Take care. See, see you later. Oh, and thanks everyone for listening. Y- you've all been lovely. I hope you're all well. Well done. Uh, th- thanks very much, Jamie Lemon. See you later. Bye. Bye. So that was Jamie Lenman. Just an incredible chat. I, re- I really genuinely love that. It was it was so much fun and he's such a lovely guy. Also, I mean, he talks himself down a lot, but he's a very talented man. So definitely, definitely go and check out just all of his albums. They're, they're, they're all brilliant. In particular, as he points out, go and listen to his new single, The Summer of Discontent, because that is very good. And whilst we're on the subject of plugging things that are coming out, also go and check out Asylum's new album, which is, uh, well, I say go and check it out. It's coming out 
later this year. So keep an ear to the ground for that. They are... Well, actually, Luke is coming on the podcast soon, so I'm sure he'll talk about that anyway. And his record label, Cool Thing Records, who have a number of amazing artists, many of whom are very good friends of mine. So I'm just... I'm really glad to be involved in that, which is great. Also, things to check out whilst we are on the subject. A very good friend of mine has started a, a new project and he's recorded a lot of it during this lockdown. So go and check out Calm These Tides. That is calm underscore these underscore tides on Instagram. And they've got a new single lip service coming out on the 8th of May. So go and check that out. I'm excited to hear that. On the subject of things to check out that Jamie Lemon's doing, obviously, as he mentioned, there's a Ticketmaster house tour where he does a, a tour of his house. So go and check that out. Also, go just check out any of the live stream gigs that he's been doing or just anything just uh, you could just search him on uh, on on the on the internet uh, whatever search provider you use will find anything about Jamie Lemon very easily accessible but for the sake of it he's at Jamie Lemon on everything that is just uh, J A M I E L E N M A N and then jamielemon.com for his website and obviously, we complement each other on the clothes that we're wearing, but in particular, his dressing gown was spectacular. And you can see an image of that on Instagram. So go and follow at Tea Party Pod, and you will find that picture. At Tea Party Pod, that is the letter T Party Pod. Go and find that on Instagram. Go give that a like, because that is a very good picture indeed. Also, go go and follow the Tea Party Pod on Instagram, Twitter, all of the above, uh, Facebook. Uh, just search Tea Party Pod at Tea Party Pod. Uh, is, don't, that's, don't forget to get in touch with anything. Just, hey, I tell you what, you know, if you're having a bad time, send me an email because I'm happy to chat to you. Uh, I've got the time. I'll t- let's, let's talk it out. Let's uh, just send me an email on uh, teapartypod at gmail.com and, you know, we'll, we'll have a chat. I'll put all the links on the podcast description anyway. So go and check that out. In the meantime, if you could drop us uh, some likes and subscribes and share the tweets and the posts and uh, all sorts of whatever on your social media, share the podcast wherever you can. I really, really appreciate it because the more people I can get to listen, the better I feel about doing it and the more guests I can persuade to come on here. So yeah, give some attention and you know, the more attention I can get, the more tea bags I can get from companies and uh, I will share the wealth with you with guests. So it's up to you. My life is in your hands. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, stay safe, keep washing your hands, drink some tea. I love you. Thanks for listening. Bye.